Chapters 17 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2, by Arthur L. Hayward. Chapter 17 The Life of John Gillingham and highwaymen and footpad etc as want of education hath brought many who might otherwise have done very well in the world to a miserable end so the best education and instructions are often of no effect to stubborn and corrupt minds this was the case of john gillingham of whom we are now to give an account he had been brought up at westminster school but all he acquired there was only a smattering of learning and a great deal of self-conceit fancying labor was below him and that he ought to live the life of a gentleman he associated himself with such companions as pretended to teach him this art of easily attaining money he was a person very inclinable to follow such advices and therefore readily came into these proposals as soon as they were made amongst the rest of his acquaintance he became very intimate with burnworth and made one of the number in attacking the chair of the earl of scarborough near st james's church and was the person who shot the chairman in the shoulder as he was a young man of a good deal of spirit so he committed abundance of facts in a very short space but the indefatigable industry which the officers of justice exerted in apprehending Fraser's desperate gang soon brought him to the miserable end consequent from such wicked courses he was indicted for assaulting robert shirley esq upon the highway and taking from him a watch value twenty pounds he was a second time indicted for assaulting jean du cummins a footman and taking from him a silver watch a snuff-box and five guineas in money both of which facts he steadily denied after his conviction but there was a third crime of which he was convicted that is sending a letter to extort money from simon smith esq and which follows in these words mr smith I desire you to send me twenty guineas by the bearer, without letting him know what it is for. He is innocent of the contents if your offer to speak of this to anybody. My blood and soul, if you are not dead man before Monday morning, and if you don't send the money, the devil dash my brains out. If I don't shoot you the first time you stir out of doors, or if i should be taken there are others that will do your business for you by the first opportunity therefore pray fail not strike me to instant death if i am not as good as my word to mr smith in great george street over against the church near hanover square he confessed that he knew of the writing and sending this epistle but denied that he did it himself and indeed the indictment set forth that it was in company with one john mason then deceased that the said conspiracy was formed under sentence of death 
he behaved himself very sillily laughing and scoffing at his approaching end and saying to one of his companions as the keeper went downstairs before them let us knock him down and take his keys from him if one leads to heaven and the other to hell we shall at least have a chance to get the right yet when death with all its horror stared him in the face he began to relent in his behavior and to acknowledge the justness of that sentence which had doomed him to death at the place of execution he prayed with great earnestness confessed he had been a grievous sinner and seemed in great confusion in his last moments he was about twenty years of age when he died which was on the ninth of may seventeen twenty six at tyburn End of chapter seventeen recording by linda johnson